It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome into the Locked On Nets and Locked On Cavs podcast, a crossover episode where, of course, we thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms and let you know that today's episode is going to be brought to you by Prize Picks. It is, of course, prizepicks.com where you can use promo code NBA or go to the App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks, it makes daily fantasy easy. And as we welcome in not only myself, Adam Armbrecht, you know where you can find me covering the Giants. You know Doug Norrie's over there doing DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports ranking needs. We also have, though, co-hosting. We're all together on this. One, <laughs> one Evan Demerol and, of course, Chris Manning from the Locked on Cavs podcast. Hello, fellas. We, we come in together because we ended up in the same exact spot, the delicious playing game. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe some different energies coming in uh, from both of these teams. I think certainly certain, fear, you know, certain uh, different fear factors for the teams above them in the East, let's say, just considering who plays them. Uh, no shade to, to the, the very good players in the Cavs, but uh, I'm sure the Boston Celtics are perhaps rooting for the Cleveland Cavaliers to win in, to win in Brooklyn so they don't have to play Kevin Durant in round one. But yeah, this is going to be a good time. Chris, I don't, I don't know about that. One of our listeners in our Discord server said that um, they'd rather play Miami than Boston because of the lack of AM out of bio. And then several users came in hot saying that they'd rather play Boston because they think if Jared Allen came back, they could shred apart Boston on the interior of the uh, no time Lord out there. This, so this who is, knows? The, okay, this I like, is the I, thing, I like delicious though. though. It's a good <laughs> way to is, describe it. But here, here's the thing. How many of those people have actually watched the Boston Celtics since they became like the 96 bulls? Listen, like, all of our dedicated are listeners are some of the most educated Cavs fans in the sphere. Love them. The dearly. Using it's five stars. And it means, a lot um but yeah we fight like an old married couple how are you guys doing uh, we do the same so that's this yeah. gonna be a good vibe <laughs> like we could do like a we could do a uh, like a sort of a, a host swap and then they could follow the cameras around to see if everyone treated each other the same way because i got the vibe off camera i was like these guys have a very adam and doug vibe to them that i'm just not gonna probably put on display now but it's, i'm I, feeling it spent it eight hours with, spent eight hours with evan yesterday it was it was a long long time with it was, with it was a good eight hours though it, it you know we had so much fun i didn't even think about how long we spent together I, about I team it. building they call that yeah. you know team building yeah. exercise trust falls i'm sure yes, we're involved yes, there as well yes. mm -hmm. um but as you said different energy coming into this so it just it felt like this is the jumping off point of the brooklyn nets have had their tumultuous season no shortage of interesting narratives and potentials for things to be going well or horrible for them but for the cleveland cavaliers how does it feel to be at this point now where you're in the play-in game which i think unto itself if you said at the start of the year you'll be in the seventh or eighth seed looking to make the playoffs you might have felt good about that, or you might have felt like, hey, they could be playing for a lot heading towards the playoffs. And yet, because of the timeline of some of the injuries, because of 
the bad run of losses at the back end of the season here, it does it feel like the Cavs are missing out on a big opportunity for themselves this season, or just that maybe they came back to what was going to be their ultimate goal? The Knicks come to mind here the year prior, where they really outshined maybe where they could have been in the playoff bracket, and then the following season came down to earth a little bit, and now are going to completely miss the scene. Chuck, do you want to tackle this one, or do you want me to go with it? Yeah, I can. I can go first. I think. I think the Knicks thing is an interesting point of comparison because they, the Knicks obviously kind of overachieved. Mm-hmm. And I think to some degree, the Cavs have achieved more than we expected this year. Um, they were like 26 and a half. Really overachieving, but okay. <laughs> you, you, throw in that line, Evan. Throw in that line. Um, the think the difference is that you would look at this team and I think you look how good Evan Mobley is. I, I don't feel like Evan Mobley is going to have like the Julius Randle regression. I don't think right. Jared Allen, who you guys know very well, um, you know, once he, assuming once his hand is healthy, uh, he'll, you know, the big, yeah, also big video game nerd, Jared Allen. Uh, he'll be, he should, you should probably not going to regress next year. Darius Garland, I don't think is going to regress. There is some roster construction that has to be done that will be interesting, let's say, in terms of how they approach it in the summer. What I think would be the missed opportunities, I think this is a group that, because they haven't won anything yet, they haven't done really done anything. They've been bad. Darius Garland has played for bad teams. Evan Moby just got here. Jared Allen um, you know, was on those uh, Kenny Atkins and Nets teams, but hasn't accomplished anything in Cleveland yet. Um, you know, Even guys on the sideline, Colin Sexton's not going to get to play, but like he has not been on a winning Cavs team yet. I think those guys just getting to a seven-game series would do them some good, just to go through that. Even if they get yeah. beat up by the Celtics or beat up by the Heat, that would probably be good for them. And I think if they ultimately like can't navigate this playing tournament due to injuries, due to like the, the level of play isn't high enough, whatever, like I think that will be um, a missed opportunity for them. And so that's the bad luck, Evan, of just this draw of where you find yourself now because what are the chances that Brooklyn is the team that's in the seventh seed when you go to the play-in? Yeah, I mean, that that in itself is unfortunate if you are just looking through the lens of it's disappointing that injuries and late-season losses and meltdowns have kind of been a part of this gradual decline for the Cavs, even a little bit before the all-star break and especially after the all-star break. Um, I think drawing the nets, no matter how you shake it, uh, just with Katie and Kyrie alone. And th- like, that's just going to be a hard ask of this team to kind of gut up and handle them, especially after the Cavs looked pretty competitive when they played the nets last Friday, but then the nets just kind of showed what the difference between where Cleveland's at and where they're at just in terms of superstar talent, because KD can flip a switch and just kill them. Um, so I think that's disappointing in itself, but having two bites of the apple to get to the playoffs is definitely beneficial for them. But I also look at it as this way. This is the peak optimal outcome for the Cavs because Chris and I were incredibly low on them coming into the season. I think most people were, uh, when we did the locked on crossover talking about contenders, I, everyone just kept asking me questions. Like, I think they're just happy to be considered part of this group. I looked, <laughs> I looked like a big, a small fish in a very, very big ocean out there. So I, I think, Getting this experience is beneficial for their growth long-term. I think the Knicks comparison is an interesting one. There's also comparisons to the Hawks as well, who made the Eastern Conference Finals. There's off a lot of youth and talent. But I agree with Chris. I just don't think there's going to be any serious regression on both sides or any part of the Cavaliers, maybe just in terms of offense with J.B. Bickerstaff. Things kind of plateau a little bit. But I'm interested to see what they do long-term. But, yeah, drawing the Nets is a pretty tough ask. But I think having two bites of the apple kind of gives me a little bit of reassurance. 
And Doug, as we say, uh, you know, for the Brooklyn Nets, same kind of mantra, right? Just good to get experience. You'd like to get to a seven-game series, obviously, for the reps for some of these guys. Kevin Durant could certainly use some of that taste. Well, contextualize for, for the crossover purposes around the Brooklyn, just the Brooklyn Nets season, because I think the Cavs have had an interesting one, but it's almost untimely injuries have created a bit of a downfall for them. Brooklyn has had no shortage of interesting elements to derail them. Yeah, look, everyone knows the story at this point. Some of it's injury, some of it's self-inflicted. Like, this is just the story of the Nets season. The fact that they're in the seventh seed, uh, we're all, and at least on the Nets side of it, are pretty well-versed into, like, sort of the, the how we got here. It's really kind of what the what happens now is is becomes the instructive sort of question. And I think, in some ways, I, I don't think, it's funny, the, the, the trajectories are still different because the Nets are on a championship trajectory, and I'm not sure the Cavs really are right in this exact moment and maybe not even like next year, but this, the, we still have as many questions as like, you know, we still have as many questions of like fit rotations, who can play, who can't like there's the, the season is the question marks have not decreased really. They just are kind of different than they were six months ago or four months ago, or even two months ago. And so I, with the nets, I, it's, it still remains very difficult to evaluate what even the hope should be. I mean, the hopes in this game against the Cavs clearly should be a W, right? Like they're heavy mm -hmm. favorites here. Like that's, I don't think that that part is not in question, but really the long-term or rest of season hope, I, I do still find myself struggling to like realistically, what, what should I realistically hope for here? I mean, obviously the, the easy answer is championship, but like looking at this team, it's still hard to feel super confident about that. So I, I think the Nets would still walk into this playing game with a different set of questions. It's just, but it doesn't make it any easier necessarily to evaluate like sort of what happens in this game and then even what happens in the next series going forward. I'm like what the Nets should kind of hope to have happen. Can yeah, I offer you guys a little bit of reassurance though? Um, it, it's not, it wouldn't be the first time Andre Drummond has kept the Cavs out of the playoffs. Wow. Wow. So, this guy, this freaking guy, man. Listen, man, ever since he flashed the peace sign for you, for the Nets, I, I am all the way back in on admiring him from a distance, <laughs> but hating <laughs> having him on my team. We, uh, we recently talked about actually about uh, Drummond and saying that it's like, if, if he was 15 pounds lighter, because his athleticism is so good, you almost don't see it because it's packaged inside of this big oversized teddy bear, you know, physique that he has. And then he does things like flash the peace sign while, while rim running. He takes the, you know, give and go pass from Kevin Durant and just flush it through. You're like, God, good Lord. Like you could be this more dominant version of yourself. And wow. who knows though, maybe you need the poundage just to be able to kind of throw that around a little bit. Well, he's, he's Cavs fans know like every team has dreamed on the, what could be with look, Andre yeah, Drummond. The, the Cavs is, broke look, me man sometimes. The, the, Cavs, the Cavs last year were in Minnesota and did not, the Wolves did not have any healthy centers. Oh, okay? this is, is this when Jared Allen was backing up Andre Drummond at this point? I don't even know if Jared Allen, I don't even remember if Jared Allen was on the Cavs. All I remember is that J.B. Bickerstaff's offensive plan for that game was, I'm going to throw the ball to Andre Drummond in the post as many times as I possibly can, and guess what? Didn't go well. So it's like every time <laughs> you're like, ah, yes, we're going to like maximize this big guy because he shows us stuff. It's like, ah, yes, there's a reason that, this doesn't work. There's a reason that like the Pistons were like, we're good that you trade him for what a second round pick. Uh, but it's Ron like Hansen almost, Brandon yeah, but, and it, but it's like, it's almost like I think his role in Brooklyn, like makes it's like, he just sort of like ended up where he probably should have been the whole time. He's not to some degree. the guy there. Um, 
He's making less money, which is unfortunate for him. But <laughs> basketball-wise, it's a good situation. He didn't yeah. work with the Lakers either, who were necessarily, at the time at least, a, a, a contending team. Yeah. Um. So I think maybe having this compartmentalized role, I think having a little bit of freedom to be himself helps a lot too. Um. But yeah, just not asking him to be the guy. And soon figuring out why he has such gaudy rebounding numbers because he can't finish at the rim. Um, it, it's it's interesting to watch from afar. And I, I we'll talk about this maybe in the next segment because of injuries and such, but he could really be an X factor against the Cavs, I think. And that's what we're going to get into a little bit of obviously the top level talent that's going to be on display for both teams in this one expectations around that injury updates and then some of the supporting role players and how they could play a factor in this. But as we knew, we're going to talk Andre Drummond in the top segment of this before we get into that, though, got to tell you about our friends over at prize picks, because as you know, if you're sitting around trying to do some fairly daily, daily fantasy, fairly fantasy, whatever you're into, you can flip flop around any which way. But if you want a good daily fantasy option for the NBA, then you need to be checking out the award winning app prize picks that's because here's what you do you go ahead and grab yourself two to five players and an over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers you're not dealing with any of these daily fantasy sharks working the system scamming you no friends you are right there going up against the board entries can be made in 60 seconds or less that's how easy it can be and prize picks is of course safe and offers fast withdrawals so when you win that cheddar you get it in your pocket as quickly as possible prize picks offers any prop that you can think of from points scored to rebounds even steals and Prize Picks doesn't just offer NBA. They also have options for college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and so much more. For a limited time, you go over to Prize Picks. They're going to give you an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. You will get $50 for free if any player that you use on your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point. You take Kevin Durant. You could take Kyrie Irving. You could take Andre Drummond if you're so inclined. One single point, you're going to get yourself a 50 free dollar win entry for yourself, but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available for Locked On fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA for $50 for free. And if a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point, you win. Oh, when you're done with that, head on over to betonline.net, your number one source for all your betting and stats info. You go to BetOnline right now. And if you're looking at this playing game, minus eight and a half for Brooklyn at home. I think the number was somewhere around this last week when they played the Cavs. Uh, eventually did cover that number. Not something the Nets have done a ton of this season, but right now, minus 400 as well for the Brooklyn Nets over the Cleveland Cavaliers over at betonline.net. Betonline.net is uh, your best source for sports development, league reviews, news. Uh, they have the playoffs, got MLB action, rolling, hockey as well, MMA, all the sports got you covered. Betonline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting as well. Head on over to betonline.net today. Uh, use your mobile device to learn all the trends and actions bet online where the game starts. And where we start talking about this play-in game, the big 7-8 matchup. It's the top talent that will be on display for both sides. When We don't have to get into the matchup specifics yet because we always talk about you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Well, they get theirs. So the idea of, of the way in which you want to stop, quote-unquote, or limit these guys can be a bit of a, a bit of a minefield. But how do you look at, we'll start with you, Evan, how do you look at, the Cleveland Cavaliers and saying Darius Garland, how, how can he dominate this game? How can 
a player like Mobley dominate this game? And then ultimately, we know we're going to talk about some of these injuries, but are, are there more than those two key figures when you think about top talent on this roster coming into this game that can have a, a major and significant impact wire to wire? Yeah, I, I think when you're just talking in terms of top talent, those are the two pieces of Cleveland's big three that they've kind of built organically over the last three years or so. Um, for Darius Garland to kind of make a difference, you have to really see how Brooklyn defended him in that game on Friday, maybe try and get some of those mismatches, maybe try and get Bruce Brown off of him a little bit, make him make the Nets have to work to defend him. And I think that's going to be a lot of heavy pick and roll. The the Cavs have a plethora of bigs that can sometimes set screens, whether it's Markin and Mobley, even Moses Brown, who might get minutes as well. Um, even Ed Davis too, who could maybe even get a cup of coffee in an appearance as well. Like the Cavs have some weapons and some ability to peel defenders off of Garland. So they can kind of get easier shots for him and just kind of create sp- shots for him outside the arc as well. Because if you're Brooklyn, there's a pretty easy strategy to stop the Cavs and stymie them offensively, and it's just cutting off the head of the snake with Garland. I think Milwaukee's shown a good example of it by throwing Drew Holiday at him, just kind of making his life hell for the entire game. The Heat did it with Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. If you're the Nets, you try and slow him down, and then in turn, you kind of slow down Evan Mobley too because he has a lot of unlimited offensive potential, Mobley does, but he's a little limited as well right now because he can't create his own shot. He's relying on Garland to kind of find these easy opportunities, whether they're lobs or in pick and rolls or just post-ups or even just shots in isolation or things like that. And I think if you're the nets, maybe you kind of just wall him off a little bit and make him uncomfortable because you don't have that vertical threat that Jared Allen provides at the rim in terms of pick and roll and lobs to kind of give him easier looks as well. So I think not having Allen makes it a little easier to make defend the Cavs, who are a very vanilla team at times offensively to begin with. But if you want to get those two involved, I think you just have to kind of find a way to keep Garland moving and kind of keep him open and give him plenty of easy looks and opportunities. Before we talk about defending them, um, and we'll go to Chris around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Doug, is, I mean, we talk, we watched that game, the last game for the Brooklyn Nets, the career high and assist for Kevin Durant. Do you think that this is a game where Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving just come out and say, hey, it's gun blazing? We've talked before about how they kind of take turns about who's going to be the dominant scoring force. Or can Kevin Durant in a game like this afford to approach it the same way and say, listen, the attention's going to be on me and I'm going to be able to have Kyrie play off ball and he can execute. And I can also get the likes of Bruce Brown and obviously Seth Curry and Nicholas Claxton, that connection that we've talked about, get them involved first and kind of worry about when I need to put my foot on the gas if it's required. Yeah, we have a pretty good proxy just because they played, you know, three days ago or whatever um, yeah. to see how the, the the Cavs at least planned to, to kind of try to hold up on Kevin Durant. It didn't really work at all. Like they used Markin in a lot on him. Uh, he had like hashtag no chance against <laughs> against Durant in those one on one matchups. Uh, specifically, Durant just completely roasted eyes lit up, roasted him when that was the when that was sort of like the half court matchup that Markin and got assigned. And that and these guys know like. You know, the Cavs are a really nice team. Um, and in some ways, that they're similar here because they just don't have, like, a, I would call, like, a great, great wing defender among the same size that can. And most teams don't for a guy like Durant. So it's not like, mo- not like any team really has this. But you <laughs> yeah. can have, you can have, like, you can have guys on, that are a little further along on the spectrum. <laughs> right. And so, like, and that's where, and that's where, and, and frankly, I'll be honest with you, the Nets really don't have this player either. This is why they need Simmons really bad. But, um, 
this we kind of saw what happened in this last game where it's like if you're going to be able to get Katie to his spots pretty easily, which he was able to do not too long ago against this team, then he was I mean, he was ultra efficient, 11 for 20, got to the line 10 times, which even for him is a decent amount. Like he was just a real, real problem and even more of a problem for the Cavs in some ways than he has been for other teams. So I don't think it's a one or the other. I don't think he needs to operate in a get everyone else involved first if it's just going to be easy like it was last game. But it is good to know that he has the other piece in his bag, like Adam and I have talked about a bunch, where the offensive facilitation has been of a much different ilk lately for him around the assists and just getting other guys involved, you know, slip passes and whatnot. So I, I guess I'm just like not as concerned, but I might be also just looking a little too short ter- short term in the one game sample size that happened recently where it was just very easy for him. Chris, who's the guy that you haven't been talking about in the Cavs all year that's the clear-cut, automatic Kevin Durant stopper? We all know a team. Everybody has one. They just don't use uh, them until well, they really need it. Well, you know, he tore his meniscus, but Dean Wade, my guy, would have been would have been the answer. Um, actually, he on, here, here's, the, here's the thing. The Cavs, what, what they're going to do, I can pretty much – they did this the other day, and it's what makes sense. They're going to put a core on Kyrie, and they're going to core is going to chase around Kyrie, and that makes sense. Um, I think Dragic being healthy for this game – Adds another wrinkle to this that's going to put a lot of pressure on, on Garland to defend. It's going to put pressure on Karis LeVert to defend. Um, I think they're going to put Mobley at the five against Drummond, and I think that's going to leave Larry Marketing on KD. And I think we've seen this dating back to uh, a recent Cavs Lakers game. Lowry Marketing has. Yeah. Lowry Marketing has had success as a defender this year, as a three, when Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are backing him up. And what they will do is say, okay. You're going to screen me. You're going to try to attack me in a pick and roll. You're going to attack me in, in whatever. Evan Mobley's going to switch on you. Have fun with that. Have fun with Jared Allen switching on you. When you when you take away that that one layer, even that one layer, marketing becomes so easy, I think, to pick on. And it wouldn't surprise me if KD just comes out gun blazing, drops 40, and like it's not like he is the the engine of everything for Brooklyn because like he has marketing is big. He will, you know, do his best, whatever. He just like there's like no one in the world that can really guard KD really right like that's the Cavs know that they they saw him in the finals with the Warriors when he hit some just insane shots just pulling up but like Markkanen's gonna have a massive problem and I I wonder I I would wonder if and they haven't done a lot of this this year but if there's ever a time for JB to try something crazy just to see it like if it's the more of the zone they run with Mobley at the top of the key if it's um, trying Mobley on Durant and saying, Lowry, just box out Andre Drummond. You're like seven foot and 240 pounds. You should be able to do this somewhat. I wonder if you see some of those wrinkles just to try to throw a different look at KD first. And, and, and just, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because that is actually one problem among, amongst, you know, some problems here. But where the Nets offense have stagnated the most at times this season is when other teams just, just go only zone. For some reason, the Nets have really struggled. Well, if, you're where, Katie, where like a, if you're Katie, if you're Katie and Kyrie and you have three point shots staring you in the face and you're like, ah, yes, I am one of the, whatever you think of yourself. Katie thinks he's probably the best. Well, Kyrie probably also thinks he's the best player in the world probably stare at those shots and are like, I ah, yes, I'm just going to take those. And like, if you're the yeah. opposing defense, you're kind of cool with that because it's just, it's different than Katie getting to their Mercury doing Kyrie stuff and getting to the, that's rim. like the one area where limited defensive personnel has been able to sort of at least speed bump the Nets offense by, because they just, they end up stagnating too much into this ISO stuff. And it just looks like everyone is treading water for a long, long periods of time. So I wouldn't be shocked if you just, if you, the, if the Cavs did employ that because other te- the Pacers just did it. I mean, almost every team has done it. It's just how long they can stay committed to it. Like that's really more of the question, um, but every well, team has it, tried it. Mobley maybe allows them to do that because you will just see him playing at the top of the key in a three, two, and he's seven. He's long as hell. 
he sets the tone of that. He, the, the whole zone is built around him being able to be like three places at once, seemingly, because he's so long and covers so much space. So yeah, I and Bickerstaff likes to use a box and one that the Wolves use with Kevin Garnett, like as a bit of a throwback. And um, I don't think they'll use that without Allen out there. But like, yeah, like to Chris's point, Mobley's like the linchpin for the Cavs defensively. And especially with the lack of obviously Jared Allen being out there as well. Get into, uh, I want to ask one more question on Garland specifically, but then some of the role players here, because I think this is where for a team in the Brooklyn Nets that aren't necessarily, they are, they are high level deep, but they are not second level deep. So talking about some of those guys like Seth Curry, what Cleveland could try to do, how much they'll try to pick their poison with them. And then again, this piece on Garland, I just wonder about how high his motor can run throughout this entire game. But before we do, it's our friends over at rockauto.com. Good Lord. I ask Doug this question all the time. I'm going to bring in the entire panel. Chris, how many car parts do you think there are in a vehicle? A lot. Like, just a lot. Like, just a ton. Some that I don't even know exist. Exactly. And Doug says 10. I say it's at least 100, maybe even the thousands. The bottom line is you go over to rockauto.com. You save yourself time and money when you're using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100 times more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? You go into the auto parts store. You say you need a headlamp for your car. They go back. They knock the dust off. They give it to you. They supercharge you. And you say, maybe it's right. Maybe it's wrong. You have a computer, you can look it up, and you can guarantee you're getting the right part for your car, make, and model. Rock Auto is a family business, and it's doing service for those do-it-yourselfers like you and me and Chris and Evan and Doug. We all know we're out there tinkering around as much as we would like. You head over there, of course, and you can go ahead and use their easy-to-use drop-down menu to find the make and model of your vehicle and the parts that you need. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. You're right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So the quick follow-up just on just on Garland. Can he go for the can he go full 48? Can he continue to get his looks? Can he get his shots? Can he because if the Cavs are going to, as we'll talk a little bit of prediction here and also uh, discuss the injuries around both of these teams and the benefits for Brooklyn, but can Garland just go and get his for a full 48? Because if he's not doing that, then I think we already start to downgrade what is the Brooklyn Nets minus eight opportunity. If Darius Garland doesn't play well, the Cavs have no chance in hell. And I think he, Garland is a I top. Dark fast. Yeah. <laughs> Like you're gonna be seeing Rajon like Rajon Rondo having to change the offense yeah. this year. You're gonna watch Rajon Rondo try and bowl the ball down the court. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna like post up Larry Markkinen, and I will be like, that's never worked. That's never worked ever. Why are you doing this? I don't understand this. Um, Chris's dad has a funnier assessment. He I not 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 safe not safe for the pot. He was out out from day one. Shouts to my father. Um, but if Gar- Garland's like a top somewhere between like a top ten and seventeen ish player in the East, like he's that good now. But it's they've asked so much of him this year, and like this is this is one of those games you're gonna ask the world of him again, and like he has to coax every bit of value, not just out of himself, but out of Mobley, out of Markkinen, out of Okoro. Like it's asking a lot of him, and if he doesn't play really, really, really well, I don't, I don't know how they win this game to be honest with you. 
Doug, will the Nets stay at home when we talk about how they'll approach it as far as who they want to take on Garland defensively? Um, or is it just about, hey, we'll play our game, we'll live with the results, or do they want to take away the number one option for Cleveland? I got to be honest with you. I, I was going back through this box score after, and I I would have sworn that Darius Garland hit way more three pointers <laughs> in this game. It was it was only three for six. It felt like a ten for eleven because, and maybe that's just me being sort of ruined by what other teams seem to do against the Nets, which is hit big shots in moments. And I think that's just a little too much fandom in me. I think there's it's there's no secret as to why Bruce Brown played forty minutes the last time these two matched up. Mm, Bruce Brown's right. been very Soon. very good. Um, like he's been very, very good lately and he's earned every single bit of playing time, um, especially being able to, you know, hit threes and whatnot. But I think the 40 minutes here was specifically because he's the one sort of point of attack defender that can just go out there because they just have the Cavs engine just runs just directly through this guy. And so if you just know that that's, what's going to be the case, then you just have to keep a guy like Bruce Brown out there for as long as stretches as possible because he's your best opportunity to stop him. So I think you'll continue to see that piece. Uh, like with guys like Arlen, you really are only hoping, and we say this with Durant and Kyrie all the time too, you're really only hoping to slow them down. Like it's going to be impossible to fully stop them, um, especially because Darius gets to the rim so well and he's just so dynamic and just so sort of singular in the way that he scores, um, which is why the Cavs are really still very good. But um, – I think that's. I think we'll see a ton of minutes from Bruce Brown. I think they really actually can't afford to take him off the court for too, too long with Arias out there. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if we even saw him run like 42 to 44 minutes or as many minutes as Garland was out there because I think they're going yeah. to need to. So I think that's I think that's generally probably going to end up being the plan. It's not a super high-level thought around defensive schemes, but they just have this one guy, and, he, and Bruce Brown for – you know what he is. He is a super disruptive defensive player. The other one thing I will just say about Garland um, is that no Allen. Mobley is maybe like arguably already better than Allen. He's that good. The one thing he's definitely not. I said, I said, arguably, Evan, relax. Okay. You know, this isn't okay. a new take, buddy. You talk to me every day. Come on. Mobley is not at the level of Allen as a, as a lob threat. So much of the calf success this year with Garland getting downhill was Jared Allen's really tall and will dunk anything that he can get his hands on. And Mobley doesn't quite have that in him yet. He will have some. And like Drummond is not as a guy that I think if you pick on him a little bit, I would like to, if you press on that pressure point a little bit, I would maybe want to see what you could do with that. But there, the Cavs offense doesn't have the same finishing kind of go-to thing. Like they've never quite found something they can just lean on when they need a bucket. Like the Nets have Katie, they have Kyrie. They can just go, go to those guys, run ISO, run a pick and roll, and it's fine. They'll do that with Garland. They'll try to do some stuff with Kevin Love, but they don't have that two man action that they really had with. I th I don't think at least with, that they had with Garland and Allen. It's not the same with Garland and Mobley. It's it's effective. It's just not nearly as as efficient as as they had when Allen was just crushing dunks on everyone's head. Oh, Alan, the fro with the with the kung fu headband. It's just we miss it. We we miss, even now you miss it. Sometimes even more because you realize the thing that the Nets lack would be a player like Jared Allen. Um, but Evan is <laughs> automatically when you look at the Nets after Kevin Durant, after Kyrie Irving, do you automatically go to the perimeter sharpshooting of Seth Curry as being the thing that you you want to try to mitigate? Do you look at as Doug and I have been getting more and more excited about Nicholas Claxton and what he's been able to produce uh, on the offensive end in tandem with Kevin Durant. We know Brooklyn, which is to highlight these injury updates, Brooklyn's going to be having Goran Dragic available for them. So let's get more. <laughs> the Cavs unfortunately have to work with less. Is there a secondary thing that the Cavs want to accomplish after D 
dealing with whatever the results are with Kyrie and Kevin Durant? So that's that's the interesting thing. Um, Seth Curry is a huge threat for the Cavs. Maybe you throw Isaac Okoro at him, or you try to use Lamar Stevens in some way to just kind of defend him a little bit. Lamar Stevens could be a factor in this game as well. We should have probably talked. Pat, Chris and I should probably mention him a little bit more. But it's that Nicholas Claxton provides a lot of rim pressure, so that's going to be a test for Evan Mobley as well. And yes, he is a very stalwart and adamant defender, but advanced metrics tend to say that without Jared Allen on the floor, he does sometimes get picked on just because the Cavs in general are getting shredded defensively and you're asking him to do much more than you probably did all season long. And then even like you guys mentioned Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown's a stud. And I think he can do a lot of things to disrupt Darius Garland and make him uncomfortable. And like you guys said, him as a three point threat is just really interesting too, just to watch his game kind of evolve and grow like it is. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see, what these Nets role players do, and you guys kind of hit the, the nail on the head a little bit, though, in terms of the Cavs. And Laurie Markkinen is probably going to get bullied in this game quite a bit. Um, the, the Lakers did it with LeBron. Go all the way back to the opening day, the game of the season for the Cavs. You watched John Morant and Desmond Bain take turns bullying Laurie Markkinen in isolation and just kind of forcing him on in switches. And Again, there's only so much the Cavs can do to kind of mitigate that. I think having Allen and Mobley on the floor together made it a hell of a lot easier in terms of penetration. I think having Coro is just like a little bit of a safety valve and switches helps too, but it's it's going to be tough. I think it's definitely going to be tough, and I think the Nets have a lot of interesting role players, and also the Drogic factor, that's huge. The Cavs don't have any scouting against him just based on Friday's game. They're just to say like, okay, this is what Drogic did to kill us. What can we do to slow that down? He's a little bit of a variable here. And again, Andre Drummond could be an X factor. Like I, I'm not saying that just as like tongue in cheek. Like I think he could be a problem for Evan Moke at times. Well, it's so funny too, Doug, because you and I coming into this game, it was the expectation of, well, if Jared Allen plays, then all of a sudden it like it flips this hierarchy of of where the Nets could get into trouble with with uh, Nicholas Claxton, then you talk about Andre Drummond, then you say, well, they have multiple big bodies. If they start to get into foul trouble, now the Nets have to play a little bit smaller, and you could see this advantage shift a little bit, at least in a, a positional value towards Cleveland. But without Jared Allen, that, that thing that's right on like the razor's edge of being a potential difficulty for the Nets becomes a strength. And then I, that, that becomes, I think, the spider web effect of now that's a bit of a strength. Now all the perimeter shooting becomes a strength. Now when you bring in Patty Mills, all of a sudden that looks a little bit better and brighter because you can bring those kind of waves. Is that is there any uh, I don't want to put this as way as we enter predictions here, but is there any last thing that you look at for Cleveland, Doug, from all, from the Nets perspective and say, Oh, if they start to get that, if obviously Kevin Love goes off for 40, that's going to be a concern, right? If he dials back that salt and pepper and just really gets downhill. Yeah, I mean, look, they, the, these guys got the Nets into foul trouble last game. I, yeah. Drummond had four fouls, Claxton had four fouls, and uh, four fouls in almost no time at all. Like these, the the Cavs, at least the way Garland especially pressures, and you know, love the some. Well, he doesn't pressure, but just the fact that he can mismatch you on on the outside. Like the fouls ended up becoming something of a problem. The this is one of the few games Andre Drummond was actually able to close, mostly because they were moving downhill at that point, and his size ended up being something of a strength rather than a weakness, like it sometimes is. But I think fouls are still a problem. Kyrie had four fouls in this one, too. Like, you still have to worry about that piece. I do think that they can probably, with the names that were just dropped before, like Dragic, like Curry, like they can probably, in the end, just out-offense everything. And then worst-case scenario, you go to, like, KD at the five. Like, they've seen that. That's a devastating lineup for the Nets at times. So I am I guess I'm, I, I don't want to be lackadaisical because one game, anything can happen. But 
I if just speaking in a non vacuum, like going into this game, the Nets basically the way this is shaping up, just kind of like have to win this game. <laughs> Right, like they, they just by somewhat by, of a massive disappointment were they by the nature of the yeah. just the line and the talent and just the way things have set up here. And I maybe if Jared Allen was here, I'd be I'd be be a little bit more like worried. Slash, it gets a little closer. But in the end, I, like this is just a game the Nets absolutely have to win. And I, I, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, and you guys can tell me wrong. Like it would be a massive disappointment to lose this game, to have to play another playing game at the, at, after this one, like for the nets would be, I would call it a disaster and it's one game and anything can happen. And Chris, you can I mean, respond I, to that, but then yeah. frame it as also, because it doesn't seem like from our general conversation, we would get a lot of pushback that the nets should probably win this game. But how do you feel about Cleveland coming out of this one and, and still having another opportunity, right? I, just to get out of the, I guess, the positive note, can they turn around and look at the ninth and 10th seed and Charlotte and look at Atlanta and say, hey, we have every opportunity to beat one of those teams, though, and still be in the playoffs? I think that, that can get forgotten here when we're talking yes. about the play-in scenario. The Cavs can still make the playoffs coming out of this. Yeah, well, I, before Chris answers, I just want to yeah, say, hold yeah. on, Chris, one, one second, because yeah. I want to say one thing. I'm going to correct myself here. This is what he I'm going to ch check myself because <laughs> I I realized I just did the exact thing I cautioned all Mets fans of not doing. I was about all Mets I was fans call all, you out for it. But yeah, sorry, know. this could take ten seconds. All Mets fans have already penciled them in about playing Boston in the first round because of that, and I came. I feel dangerously close to just doing that, so I'm going to walk this back two seconds and just say I will feel a lot of disappointment if they lose. And it is not a foregone conclusion that they win. So anyway, I just want to clarify that because I, I, I stepped on the exact thing that I screamed about yesterday on the podcast. It is probably it is like I think one game sample anything had happened. Like I mean, who knows? Like injury happens in the first five minutes and like things go off the rails. Like you know, like Jesus, I mean, what the I mean, the problem, Chris. We're, we're, look, I family, I watch family show for crying out loud, threatening injury. <laughs> look, I, I I watch I watched that Nets Buck series last year and I like it was literally a toe, not not to bring up bad memories, but it was like a toe difference that. Yeah. Like these little mini small things. Chris, um, really, I gone somewhere else without saying like I have family from New York. They threaten to kneecap people all the time, or something like that. I don't know. Nah, the Nor the Norwegians in my in that live in New York, my family are just they're just kind kind of people who want people to have healthcare. Um, look, I I think the Nets the 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 line feels right to me, right? Like I think the Nets with KD with Kyrie with that that pedigree. I mean, like the Cleveland fans know better than anyone what Kyrie can do in a, in a big moment and, and how capable he is in, in big spots. And KD, they know KD too because he hit uh, maybe the, the coldest shot I've ever seen live in the 2018 finals when he stuck a three in LeBron's face to, to win a game. And it, like, those guys are at their apex, right? And the Cavs are on the come up here theoretically. But I, I do think it gives you some solace that if you're Cleveland, you do have a chance to go a go home. I think more importantly, go home yeah. and play one of these other teams with an extra day of rest. Like that will give you some advantage, even if it doesn't seem like Jarrett's going to play and all of that. You have something you can turn to as you kind of move forward. From here if you lose this game, I think, I think what you're hoping for is it's more like quarters two and three of that game we just saw than one and four because that was where that game was competitive. The Cavs were composed. They kind of took it to, to Brooklyn a little bit. And then, you know, KD did KD stuff in the fourth, and then it didn't matter. But you're hoping for some in between of those extremes. I think that that game felt like to me if you're Cleveland. Evan, closing thoughts, takeaways, suggestions? Uh, no, I, I agree with what Chris is saying 100%. Um, I just said, like, in terms of lines, I think I agree with the line. But a crazy number for me is we you guys asked about how many parts are in a car. Um, there, there are approximately 30,000 parts in a car. That's why you heard me go, oh, my 000. gosh. 
but I my uh, joke was that it was my joke was always with that it's more than ten, less than five thousand, and I thought five thousand was way uh, high. <laughs> I was I thought it was in the five thousands or so as well, but Steering I agree. I, blinker, I don't know after that. <laughs> <laughs> but I um, I agree with Chris's assessment, and I think if you're the Cavs, you go in try and be competitive because, like Chris said. In the second and third quarter, the Cavs did not seem like they were overwhelmed by the moment. And then, again, Kevin Durant kind of flipped the switch in the fourth and just absolutely killed them. And and they the Nets beat them despite Kyrie being incredibly inefficient in that game. And maybe if you're able to slow things down, maybe you make one of those two uncomfortable, you have a little bit better of a puncher's chance. But it's going to be tough when you're missing one of your key pieces on the defensive side of the ball for the Cavs. Yes, sir. We'll see what happens as it shakes out later tonight when you're hearing this on Tuesday morning. The Brooklyn Nets hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers in the 7-8 playing game for the honor of going to the playoffs and seeing if you have to play one more to try to get the job done. Chris and Evan locked on Cavs doing the thing just like we are every single day for you, giving it all, all that in-depth coverage. Doug's here. I'm here as well. Locked on Nets. You can check us out on YouTube. Get us on your feeds wherever you subscribe to podcasts, and we'll see. It'll come out all in the wash, but Unfortunately, there's no animosity here. We're all underneath the same locked-on umbrella. Good conversation, fellas. Really appreciate it. Always, guys. Thank you. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly... Everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.